Hey, it's your unfriendly neighborhood dungeon master Kyle here, and I'm introducing our special guest for this arc, Kat Letwin. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. It is so my pleasure. I am happy to be in this beautiful blanket fortress that you've created to help out with the sound. One of the blankets is a Star Wars blanket. So I just I feel I feel at home, you know? Like I feel like I feel good. I still have never felt accepted in this place and uh, <laughs> never, never will. Never will. Never will. Never. Yep. Uh, so you have some okay, other I'm podcasts? Side with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got some uh, other podcasts I'd like to plug. Uh, one is, let's say, uh, a, a kind of adjacent to this one. It's called Dum Dums and Dragons. Um, and I go on a very fun adventure as uh, uh, a person named Not Peter Baelish, and it's extremely stupid. And I recommend you listen to that. <laughs> oh, wait, do they need a Gnomish Paladin by any chance? You no. Know what? No, they don't. Oh, no, no, they don't. I, okay. Uh, okay. I was, you know, I'll just I'll, Let me know. I'll ask them. I'll okay. ask them for you. Okay, cool. Thank you. And uh, the other one is actually a, a radio play called How to Build a Fire, written by Kat Sandler, uh, which recently won a Best Narrative Fiction Podcast at the Austin Film Fest. So we're pretty excited Ooh. about that. So if you want to check that out, it's a beautiful uh, kind of sci-fi horror story. Uh, I play a traumatized cop because I know my hits. So, yep. <laughs> Great. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, yeah. And happy birthday to Maddie. It's my birthday. Yay! Wait. Whatever. Today or tomorrow? Are you Jesus? Today (laughs) in the time that this is releasing to the the audience. The 24th. Yes. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Caverns and Comedians. Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Last time, the party teamed up with outlaw Debbie to deliver a truckload of beer to the dragons of Fire Mountain and attracted the attention of a persistent lawman. Having evaded capture at the hands of Shire Bosco T-Man, the truck wagon and the Firebird Trans M, you pull into Marge's truck wagon stop it's basically the largest and really only large stop for uh, long-haul wagons on this highway your horses are tired and run down so they're gonna need to take a quick rest uh, feed on the hay drink some water and have a little breather so you guys have a chance of your own to uh sit down and eat some hay and drink some water and have a little breather the, the diner itself is uh it's a hard-worn place. There are other truckers there. There's about 15 other truck wagons that are lined up outside. And this serves very earthy food. In fact, you, you think that there's probably more dirt than food in most of this. Debbie walks in. She just... Uh automatically just start saying hi to like half the population in the diner, you know, uh, giving high fives and hugs, saying like, oh, how the hell are you, you son of a bitch? Uh, Just saying things like that, especially to like the really kind of like shadowy, greasy looking people. Debbie seems very amenable to who they are uh, and how they choose to live their lives. The cleanest cut looking person in this place, a guy who's got tall with sort of long blonde hair and walks up to you and is like, Hi, hi, Debbie. Do you, do you remember me, Wyatt? I, uh, I, uh, you said you'd, uh, said you'd show me a thing or two next time you came by. Gosh darn it, Wyatt. If it hasn't been a dog's age since I seen you, I'm surprised you're still trucking around these here parts. You look like too nice of a boy for this rough and tumble kind of world. Well, I, I'm trying to get into competitive racing now. And you are you are the best racer that I've ever heard of. Well, you know, flattery is going to get you everywhere, isn't it, Wyatt? Well, tell you what. Why don't you uh, join us for a little quick meal here, uh, our favorite greasy spoon. i got to say hi to Marge first because I would be just a real rude randy if I didn't do that. But uh, I'd be happy to show you a, a move or two once uh, we're all uh, fed and bred, hmm? Oh, hi. thank you, thank you. Uh, I just got so much to learn from you. Oh, yeah. Fook wanders in after having uh, stayed by the car for a little while to figure out how to get the phoenix out, possibly. It is magically encased. Uh, you feel like it is resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and all that kind of damage. Uh, the hood of this car is mag- is a magical cage for it. 
Well, don't you worry, little bird. I've got a magical axe. And then Fook goes inside. All right, Fook. Now, it's been a while. You haven't, you haven't, you've been without your bag. This is a toilet. Well, yes, things are a little backed up, but I know what a toilet is. Okay, so you're going to use this now, or are you going to keep pooping out my window? Well, I'm kind of curious why it's in the middle of the entire restaurant. It's not a nice restaurant. Well, uh, I could pull up a curtain for you. I'm not known for my shyness, but uh, <laughs> maybe after the meal. Oh, this place is great. You got dirt on the floor, dirt on the walls, dirt in my heart. And something on my plate is trying to crawl away. Oh, I'll take that. Uh, Snakey reaches over and grabs a bug and crunches off his head. She tosses the other part to Susan, who snaps it up. You guys are sitting in a booth that uh, was very quickly set aside for you by Marge uh, when she saw Debbie with you. Uh, is Debbie's favorite booth. It affords you a little bit of privacy. So much so that uh, somebody who's walking in, you'd be able to see them, but they wouldn't really be able to see you. And when you've sat down and been served your... There's just a slop. There's a big bucket of slop, and they put slop on plates, and that's what food is at this place. About midway through your slop fest, the uh, the doors open, and a lo- man as fat as the moon walks in with a tall, looks like a, his head looks like a pencil eraser, a young boy walking in with him. Did I ever tell you about the time that I was on the moon? You've, Something's making me think of it. You've alluded to it. But um, I think we should probably be real quiet right now because that's the baddies. Or the the goodies? We're the baddies? Those are the guys we got to worry about. Fook slips down a bit in his high chair. The fresh-faced boy who's been sitting with you and just lapping up all the words of wisdom that Debbie has to say sort of notices you guys noticing this and says, Sir, is is there something to miss? Wyatt, you seem like a real, real nice boy. A real nice boy. Why, thank you. And I tell you right now, maybe now is not the time when I can teach you some of the new stuff that you're looking to get a handle on. Because you're such a nice boy, I don't think you want to be seen in all kinds of company right now. So, if you don't mind... Are you hitting on that child? I'm 23 years old. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ferris. I, I misunderstood. So why why don't you... Just go on and skedaddle from here now. I don't want to get you into any kinds of trouble. Oh, the, the heat is on you? Well, the heat's always on me. That's why I drive a phoenix. But, yeah, I, if you mean the law, yeah, I do mean that. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, well, look, why don't you get on out of here? I don't want you getting in any trouble or catching the kind of heat that maybe you don't want right now. But maybe I could uh, maybe I could make a distraction for you. Maybe I could be one of the outlaws with you. But like one of the one of the in-law outlaws. The Wyatt, once you go down this road, there's no turning back. Once you're kicking up dust, you get off the black top, that is the good law, and you find yourself on the dusty back trails of always looking over your shoulder. Also, they put your face on a poster, and at first you're like, hey, that's a pretty nice picture of me, but then yeah. it's like, now everyone wants me to go to jail, and that's not great. Yeah, and that's not always worth it for a post. Sometimes, like, it depends on the picture. Mine's not great. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. They got my face all wrong. But they got why? my height wrong. I'm actually shorter than that. Well, we all have our hills that we die on. Why, you really want to help us? I sure do. Well, all right. Why don't you, uh... Go on over there to that moon-looking man and that veal-milky boy. And why don't you uh, tell him that you're big fans of them, especially that moon man, Roscoe. He loves to get his ego stroked. Oh, uh, yes, and also we've got a bit of an old-fashioned plan that might be be able to come back. And uh, could you put a bit of this poop in there, food? I don't reckon I want to touch that poop, nor do I like that you have that poop. Yeah, Vuk, you don't have a bag anymore. What you know, that... the toilet's right in the middle I've of the restaurant. I've got a normal you bag. You can just use that. Oh, no. Don't shit where you eat. Shit over there. That's literally the tagline of this restaurant. <laughs> Fook wipes his hand off on the tablecloth. Oh. Yeah, Marge will get to that in a couple weeks. <laughs> I'll go over and uh, I'll, I'll do what I can. Okay. Wyatt, hmm. I owe you one. He has the biggest grin on his face as he sort of walks off over. He tries doing his best to look cool. He gets up to the counter and sits down beside the sheriff. And are you are you Sheriff Roscoe? 
Uh, boy, I think you mean Bosco. I am Shari Bosco T-Man, the most respected lawman in these parts, I, I do believe. Well, I'm sure am a sure am a big fan of your all your uh, exploits and uh well are you on are you are you are you on the job right now? Well there is a there is an outlaw of such a pernicious description that I would not befoul your ears to um, tell you all the things she has done. Let it be said that uh, it would be of a great service to the world to see her rid from these roads. I I don't know about any of all that, but did see a mean-looking type of person who just came by or just left the just left about about twenty minutes ago. Just just ran out of here. Ran out to the back somewhere. Now, boy, are you trying to you trying to direct me to someplace? I'm just doing my duty, my do 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 diligent duty. He said duty. <laughs> Shh! Don't laugh, Fook. I'm sorry. Don't laugh at the word duty. I don't think I have a choice. Don't fool, keep it together. <laughs> Marge, is this true? Uh, well, uh, yes, officer. Uh, as it turns out, that's exactly what I saw, too. Right out the back door there. There is general agreement from all the uh, truckers. Sorry, it's in back door. <laughs> Debbie just, like, puts her hand over his, like, flappy, flappy mouth uh, and just, and just, shh. Well, as all the truckers are going along with us and everybody's nodding and pointing out the back door, uh, Sheriff Man gets up and he's like, Well, why are you sitting here waiting, boy? You you want your burger now or do you want justice? Let's get out of them. And they sort of charge off through. He's a little too fat for the door, so he's got to force his way in. But they have gone out the back. I think it's time for us to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Let's go out the back. So they, I mean, no, no. <laughs> Go out the front. Jeez, let's go out the back door. <laughs> okay, you caught yourself there, and that's what counts. All right, that's fine. Just a, you know, just a slip of the tongue, a slip of the plan. We got it. Um, so uh, Debbie gets up from the booth, um, like gives like a nod and a wink to Marge, and then um, uh, shakes Wyatt's hand and like kisses him on the cheek and like gives him a little salute, and then uh, Debbie kind of leads the charge of getting out the front of the restaurant and also just, like, waves to all of her, her like, greasy criminal friends. Every single person in this place, about 30 people, wave and smile back at you. So as you get back out to the front, uh, the parking lot, there are all the trucks, there's your Trans M, and there is now a new car. This one looks like a bigger, meaner version of the Firebird that Debbie drives. This is... A beast of a machine, and there are no horses attached to it, but it does have the star of the Shire Reeve on the side. What the fuck? What kind of bird drives that? It's got the logo of the sheriff on it. I don't know how. I don't know how he got his hands on that kind of technology, but he sure he sure got them greasy mitts good on it. Can, can we take it? Can we destroy it? Ooh. Hank looks at the fancy car. I think I want that thing. He casts Dimension Door and teleports himself inside the car and unlocks it from the inside. Grand Theft Carriage. Our little Hank is growing up. Now let's see if I can hotwire this thing. Uh, So you see that you need a very specialized sort of magical key to get uh, to put the power that is needed to juke this thing. There are a lot of copper wires that are coming off of what looks to be the ignition side, but you have never seen anything like this. You, By looking at the keyhole, you pretty much know exactly what kind of key you would need, but you reason that that key is not in this car. Uh, however, you do know that it needs like a jolt of some sort of power to start it. Fook holds up his his axe, which uh, just sparks with thunderous energy, and says, uh, what sort of energy are you looking for? I mean, worst case scenario, we break his car, and he's got one less car. Uh, Debbie uh, kind of goes, uh, wait. I mean, it is a beautiful machine, though. We wouldn't want to destroy it outright. <laughs> I see how y'all are looking at me. Okay, all right, I see. I see it. Yep. Okay. Yes, Hank, could you open this door for me? Hank opens the door. And Fook is going to uh, jam one of the pointy bits of his axe 
into the keyhole. The Thunderstruck Axe, something as heavy metal as your axe going into something as heavy metal as this car is just a match. Their their energies are tuned into each other. And the thunder wave coming off of your axe flows through this car and it jolts to life with the scream of two phoenixes <gasps> under the hood. Oh no! <laughs> and they are racked with pain as they are burned. Oh god dang it! How did he get two phoenixes? Oh and I can hear them fighting. Oh what a glorious machine this is. I think phoenixes are much less rare than I assumed. <laughs> well this one needs my axe so I suppose I'll be the one driving this one. All right, I'm back in this big truck, I guess. All right, group, let's roll out. Now, Fook, now you be careful with this machine. Don't worry, Steve's it, a great driver. The, the, the Dashend? Yes, he's a celestial Dashend. Uh, well, you tell your Dashend, you tell your celestial Dashend, all right, that if you want the machine to respect you... He can hear you. you respect. You okay, can you, buddy? All right. What a good boy you are. All right, look. You don't have to be patronizing. Um, He's a very smart dog. Sorry. What a kind gentleman. Look, I don't have time for pleasantries. Respect the machine, and it will respect you. If you do not respect the machine, it will come for you. All right. Around this time, you start. You see and hear Sheriff Man coming around the side because he was attracted by the sound of his double Phoenix engine starting up. Well, that's my cue. <laughs> Fook climbs into the car and pushes Hank out the door. Hank scampers towards his truck and then actually just teleports directly behind the wheel with his benign transposition. Debbie motions uh, for Snakey to follow her and uh, get into the Trans Am and start that baby up. Debbie motions for Snakey to follow her to the Trans Am. And we've left the windows down um, because... You know, it's always, it's not just important to make an escape, it's important to make a cool escape. And uh, using my sweet, sweet acrobatic skill uh, with a running flip jump, I managed to just like slide dexterously through the window and right into the seat where that sweet groove that I've made on that seat is waiting for me. Oh, it just feels like home. Snakey runs towards the car, picking up Susan along the way, (laughs) gathering up her body and flinging her towards the car. She flies through the window. Uh, narrowly avoiding, uh, narrowly avoiding Debbie and slipping into the back. Meanwhile, Snakey puts her hands on the top of the car and slips in like a sneaky little snake. Uh, uh, Debbie looks over at Snakey and just goes, ah, "So fucking cool." They high five. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, Bosco man is running as fast as his insufficient legs will take him uh, towards his car that he sees. Just the top of a gnome's head <laughs> over the dashboard. Fook is fiddling with the, the levers and uh, Steve the Dashend is trying around with trying with the pedals to figure out what to do. And uh, as they begin to back out of the spot, Fook starts singing, Moving right along, foot loose and fancy free. You peel out. It's a rear wheel drive car. So it is kicking up a lot of the mud, and it hits Bosco Man right in the face. He is covered in mud from the back of his own car that you are driving away in. Are you ready for the big time? Is it ready for me? Toot toot. I don't like the horn as much. I like to do it myself. Toot toot. (laughs) As you slowly peel out. (laughs) And he has to jump out of the way of the truck wagon, leaving only uh, the... The Trans Am to follow. Debbie starts up the engine. Uh, the Phoenix, oh, the horror starts again for it. I immediately put it into a high gear and uh, peel up, uh, kicking up mud. And then um, as Debbie passes by uh, uh, Bosco, and we never never even gave him a name, but Milky Veal Boy, uh, like middle fingers up, just going, Woo! I don't know what you saw in her, boy. And there is a tear in his, a tear in the boy's eye as he is still in love with Debbie because she is the coolest person he's ever seen. <laughs> you come back here, you crumb bum! But he has no way to chase after, and rest of the uh, the patrons inside have come out to watch this display. And they all start laughing at him, and he's just screaming and yelling as they're all these big truckers are laughing at him. And you guys 
see him get smaller and smaller in your rear view mirrors as you begin the second leg of your journey. And it's a lot easier for most of it because you are deep into the wilderness. There's very few settlements this far north. Uh, in the distance, you can see the rising mountains that are, the peaks are covered by clouds. And the, the, the forest begins to give way and become rockier terrain. There are no farms up here now. This is not where any civilized person would go. And you come to a large, wide river and a ruined stone bridge. Was this bridge the only way for um, uh, cars or trucks to be able to pass this river? There doesn't appear to be anything else there. Uh, you would, you were expecting the bridge to be there. We all pull over in our vehicles to investigate. Huh. Well, this is a real kick in the teeth. Last time I came up this here way, this bridge was fine, just fine. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, maybe it's sabotage? Let's look into the bridge. This bridge, this it was a stone archway bridge, uh, but it appears to have just crumbled into the river. You can see some of the rocks and the supports of it still in the riverbed. How wide is the gap? It's got to be at least 60 feet. Yeah, ain't no horse is going to be able to jump that. Is there any alternate route? You'd reason, being a country person, that there's got to be a ford or some other way to get around because there's never just one bridge to a river. There's never just one way across any obstacle. Nothing's going to hold you back. Hank, your dimensional doors, how much can you drive through one of those? Uh, like me and one person? Oh, never mind then. Yeah, they're tiny doors. Why don't we send one car to the north to follow the river to find a passage and one car to the south and we keep in touch? That sounds like a good idea. It sounds like a fine idea. I'll stay with the truck and guard it with my superior combat skills. Um. <laughs> oh boy. Yeesh. Should I stay with him? Look, I saw what you did back on the road with the sheriff. Yeah, I trust your skills. Why don't you stay here and guard the precious cargo? I mean, the Trans Am will go ahead and head north and see what I can find. I'm plenty strong. Hank is doing weightlifting motions with his staff, even though it has no weights attached to it. Real strong. You know what counts is that you believe in yourself. And, uh, hey, nobody can take that away from you, now can't they? Hank, stay in the truck. I'll watch from outside. Okay. Pook drives off to the south. Uh, and Debbie heads off in the direction of north. To the south? Fook, uh, after about 10 minutes of driving, uh, comes upon a man in sort of tattered robes standing on the riverbank with a large raft. He, uh, he just has a, he has a little tiny hut that he's sitting outside of and he's got a, uh, he's got like a fishing pole that's dug into the ground and there's just sort of a line coming out of it and he's got a straw hat on you see can see just a big long stick of straw that he's chewing on fook rolls down his window he's standing on the seat so uh he can lean out put his arm over it uh and he says excuse me handsome person are you uh here for the ferry that sounds ideal for me uh, wait do you mean the barge i like to throw it as a ferry Oh, well, we don't use that terminology these days. I'm a fireman. Well, I don't judge. F E R etc. All right. Right, you're going to get across the river? Across the river? Yes, I think so. What do you got to trade? Ooh. Well, I, I do have some free time coming up, just in case you're... No, no, that doesn't seem to be working. Hmm, what are you interested in? Shiny. Oh, yes, gold. Well, I, uh, have none. And I got no time for you. Um, uh, well, let me check with my friends. Fook leans over and talks into, and talks into the sending stone and says, Um, excuse me, is anyone out there? Yeah, no, I'm still here. Uh, Snakey's outside. She's not talking to me. Snakey's fighting a tree. <laughs> I I found someone with a barge who uh, is interested in money. Do we have such a thing? I mean, you guys never let me like pull gold with the rest of you, so I got a couple bucks. Yeah, like a hundred twenty-five maybe. Uh, uh, wow, some gold. Yeah, 
Right. Uh, before Debbie responds, she comes upon a point where the river narrows, and there is sort of a rise in the ground that looks almost like a ramp. This is now a much narrower place, but it feels like she, in her mind's eye, sees herself jump in that. Mm. She doesn't see the truck wagon getting over, but something in her brain is connecting... The word push is getting around in your brain. The word push is rolling around in there. Push. Push. Why the same hell do I keep thinking push? Almost as though perhaps faster vehicle could push a larger vehicle over a ramp. And this is the moment when you hear Fook over the radio. All right, now, uh, Fook, hey, uh, uh, howdy, how's it going? Look, um, I think I might have found a way for us to get across the river here up to the north. Agata, is that you? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's Debbie. Who? De- Debbie. I'm sorry, I, we, we met, must have the wrong number. No, no, uh, it's me, Debbie. We met recently. Um, Did we? I'm literally on an adventure with you right now. Ooh. Yeah, we we forgot cool. to put your information on his shield, so he forgot you. Oh, okay. Um, hi, how do you think you got to where you are right now? Um, well, I seem to have driven along a riverbank in this car that is screaming at me. Yep. All right. So uh, I was there when he got a screaming car. I yes. got one, too. Uh, so I know how it feels and Ooh. how it goes. So if you want to get that screaming car across this little ravine here, uh, I'd suggest maybe uh, heading on north to the riverbank and uh, meeting me here. Well, I've got a nice little little guy who's willing to take me across on some sort of barge. Yeah, but that's going to cost you something, isn't it? Oh, yes, probably. I, wh- what's your plan? I'm going to jump the ravine. Ooh. Fook has forgotten about the fact that we have a cargo vehicle with us and the fact that it has horses so that if you push them, the horses will probably not be pushed the same way and it would probably be tragic for all horses involved. <laughs> so this sounds like a good idea to him. <laughs> so he waves at the ferryman and drives north. Snakey and Susan climb in the passenger side of the truck. As Fook drives up and sees the cargo vehicle with the horses on the front, he immediately starts to wonder what the plan is. Okay, guys, I I thought for a second this was a bad idea, but now I've got some possible good ideas. I can use my magics. I can make the truck smaller or the horses bigger. Or we could also just, you know, unhook the horses from the carriage and they could just gently walk across the river. Oh, yes. Or we could uh, cast your featherfall thing on the horses so they weigh nothing. But they gotta be in the air for that moment. Do they? I thought we were jumping this. (laughs) Oh, I'm for sure jumping this. Oh, this is going to go poorly. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Here's what I'm thinking. I mean, I know, I know I can jump this in my Firebird. And you got two Firebirds in that there car of yours. Yeah, Steve seems confident. So what I'm thinking is we unhook the horses. I jump the ramp to get to the other side and help lead the horses across. And you use the full power and the full goddamn might of that car to push the cargo across the ramp and you know you can use your magic because you will be in the air so if you want to use that on the on the on the car on the carriage i do want to use my magic at every opportunity yes well you know what you've got goals and you have a a a good life plan you know i've I've made my life's work to do magics so i'm going to do magics when i get i understand that i do crimes you do crimes i do crimes you do cars you do crimes you know i I could have taken a fairy but uh you know i just want to do crimes and this kind of feels like a crime Fook looks at the cart with its explosive dragon beer on the back. This is a very sturdy truck wagon. This is built to transport exactly this kind of cargo. There's, the more you think about it, the less bad this idea becomes because you think it could, it's crazy, just crazy enough to work. Fook gets behind the wheel of his car. And you can hear his little voice echoing around. We've got a great big convoy driving through the night. We've got a great big convoy. Ain't it a beautiful sight? And then the phoenixes start to rev. Debbie, sitting in that seat in that firebird, revs it up. Oh, the horror, the humanity. Debbie is just gripping the steering wheel, grinning her kind of 
mostly toothy grin. She sticks another cigarette into uh, one of the gaps in the teeth, lights it up, revs those Phoenix engines so hard, and uh, yells out the window, Y'all ready for this? You all ready for this? Almost. Hank casts reduce on the cargo, shrinking it to a more moderate size to make it easier for the cars to push. And then he casts Featherfall because he's like, they're going to get some crazy air and it's going to be awesome. Debbie is revving up the car and spinning the wheels, just getting that kind of uh, momentum starting to go. She grips the wheel tighter, grins to herself, and um, kisses just this like little religious artifact she's got uh, hanging around her neck and just says, if y'all up there, I believe in you now. And puts the car in gear and the squeals of the tires as she races towards the ramp. She hits it full force and there's this beautiful, beautiful moment as this bird of a car soars above the river, a phoenix screeching its beautiful song of terror. And the car lands on the other side successfully. Debbie just yelling out another, yeah, just turns the car on its side, you know, skids to a nice halt, uh, leans her head out the window and just says, whew, that was a hell of a thing. Come on, y'all. Hank jolts, hands gripping the wheel white knuckled as the force of Debbie's car starts pulling the truck behind him. He's having trouble holding onto the wheel, but as he goes in the air, he realizes he can't really control it anymore anyway. There's no wheels to turn as he's floating through the air with his tiny truck in feather fall flight. And then Fook yells at Steve to put the pedal to the metal and Steve does his best. And this car goes flying off the ramp but Fuchs' foot gets caught in the seatbelt, and he slips a little, and he hits the cart off-center. The truck wagon is pushed into the air. Its feather fall allows it to sort of, sort of lightly, like a leaf on the wind, and it just barely manages to get to the other side, but it rolls and ends up on its side. The car that Fook is in, for... A brief moment, he believes he's going to make it. <laughs> and then the front end dips down, and it lands hard into the other side, the other bank, and instead of getting over the cliff, goes right directly into it. Uh-oh! And there's a brilliant flash as these two phoenixes are released from their prison, and the car is consumed in flame. Fook! Oh, this is all sorts of no good. Fook pulls his axe out of the ignition and reaches down and grabs Steve's collar and then kicks at the door to try and force it open. You kick the door off of this thing. There is, there's nothing stopping you now. Fook sees the explosion of Phoenixes happening to his right and throws Steve out to his left so that hopefully the dog will not get too burnt and then launches himself in the air with his arms wide, hoping that he's going to splash down. The force, the concussive force of this blast is enough to push Fook out of the car. He assumes the form of a perfect swan dive. And these two phoenixes fly out beside him. And for a moment, for a brief moment, he gets the sensation of being a part of a flock of phoenixes. His robes get a little singed by the fire. And then he breaks the surface of the water and like a dolphin... Is, in, is under and swimming away. And the car explodes behind him, but he is unharmed. Fook climbs onto the shore somehow, drenched from head to toe and yet smoking at the same time. So uh, I guess you're riding with me now again, eh? Back to being buddies in the truck. If I'm lucky, I'll still drown. But yeah, you uh, you survived the blast and the, the truck wagon and the firebird are safely across. You can easily pull the horses along with ropes. Um, so yeah, you managed to slower than you might have otherwise. You right the, the truck wagon, but you have managed to cross this river. And as you guys managed to get moving again, ho- hooking up the horses, riding the truck wagon, you can see... 
on the horizon behind you on the other side of the river that you just crossed, there is a dust cloud forming. Is it just me that that looks like that's more than one guy coming for us? I hate to be that we got company guy, but I think we got company. Yes, and I think that wheel on that wagon looks like it's going to be trouble from here on in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I can try to repair it. Give me a sec. Hank takes a moment to use his magic to try to mend the truck as best he can. Uh, uh, Debbie is watching um, the dust cloud in the distance, having a feeling like, hmm, I feel like only someone roughly the size of a moon could create a dust cloud that big. Knowing in my heart of hearts... Yes, that must be true. Uh, as Hank is, is repairing the wheel, Debbie looks at the sinking wreckage of that two Phoenix car, and she takes off the necklace that she had around her neck and throws it in the river, uh, saying to herself, ain't no good God in heaven could ever let a vehicle that beautiful destroy itself like that. So as you guys make off, you hear a crackling over your uh, CB stones, didn't think you could get away from me that easy, did you? Devil woman, we're coming for you and your friends. Hi there. It's, it's me again, Sewer Rat. I remember to drive safe. Don't don't drive too fast when you're chasing us. I don't want you to get hurt. Is there someone else I can talk to? <laughs> oh, yes. I would say friends was presumptuous. I really do think so, right? Yes. Well, you're all in cahoots, so I'm going to put you in ka-chains. Listen, Bosco, just give it up now, okay? If you think I'm half the devil woman that I am, and let me tell you, I'm at least twice as much, you know that there's no way you can catch us. Well, that's not something you say to a man with Pegasus chariots now, do you? Wait, what? Oh, shoot. He can fly, you fools. So as you guys speed away, in the distance, you can see him come up to the the riverbank and just fly right over without barely even a difficulty because he has a chariot drawn by two white winged horses cheetah and in just you can just barely make out the uh, the larger image of a a dull but seemingly good-natured corn-fed milk-fed boy beside him Ugh, can i kill them now i just how did he get that car and two Pegasus on a sheriff's salary? Like, how does that work? Uh, so you guys are now in the foothills, and you're making as best time as you can as you come to the bottom of these mountains. There's a, it's a, this is a range of rocky, jagged peaks. This is, this is not your your friendly ski mountains, but these are mountains where dragons dwell. Sort of in the distance of this large chain of mountains, you can even see. Some of the giant winged beasts flying around the peaks. I know this for a fact. You give those dragons their ale, they sure become amiable. And don't you think dragons would be a good ally to have on our side during this kind of high-speed chase? Yes. I mean, I'm just putting that out there. I wasn't sure if anyone else was going to answer. I agree. Thank, thank you, Snake. You are a true friend. I no, was, I just, the mission is to get to the dragons. So how do we give them the, the booze before we get to them to help us get to them? If we can, I'm just saying, if we can outrun, outrace these Pegasus and then get to the dragons before the sheriffs do. Or we could just like, you know, uh, you just fight them. Just fight them like regular people do. Just thought maybe it'd be cool to have dragons as friends. That's fine. Yeah, I'll take new friends, please. You get to a point where the passes become very narrow and you are winding your way up into the heights of the mountain and so the the roads as such are merely suggestions of slightly flatter ground they are very narrow there are a lot of moments where you think you're about to go over the edge and you come to a very precarious looking bridge that is just large cables holding up planks of wood that you think would barely be able to get your truck wagon across. Well, this is not our day for bridges. I think the most important thing is getting that cargo across. I'm your blocker car. I'll try and block them as much as I can right now. I mean, I know they're in the sky and whatnot, but I got, like, weapons and stuff. Well, I mean, won't they just go over you, though? Well, like I said, I got weapons and stuff, and I can't... I don't know. I'm not going to be able to go on the bridge at the same time as you, and I sincerely doubt that any kind of high speed rolling across that bridge is going to allow it to hold up. I got an idea, though. 
How angry do you think the dragons will be if we just have one less beer? One less explosive beer. I've got an idea as well, which involves me switching cars because he has never done anything. So never have I ever. It's such an easy game for him. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> certainly a contribution. Um, <laughs> well, look, I don't know if you've ever seen a dragon angry, but I don't know. Maybe we don't have much choice. I mean, it's one beer. Well, you know, they're kind of finicky about stuff like that. They explode. You know what it's like, though, when you go to a party and, like, you know, someone shows up and is like, hey, I brought a six-pack, but there's only, like, four in there, and you're just like, oh, I mean, thanks for the beer, but, like, really? Like, did you just, like, drink two of those by yourself? Like, what? Yeah, they, they drink two by themselves, for sure. But maybe one of them they used to stop the police because mm. the police were going to stop them, and they threw one of those beers at the police, and it exploded and killed those police. Snakey, what do you think? Can I kill him? Not Hank. Thank you. (laughs) Well, what I think (laughs) is that everyone has has had a disastrous first date, Hank. That's an odd one for you not to have had any disastrous first dates. No, me me and Sarah kicked it off right away. First time. Oh, god damn it. And you see a dust cloud coming up from the way you just came. Okay, I think Debbie's right. I think I should stay behind with her and help. All right, Snakey, well, be safe. I mean... I mean, have you seen my luck? I'm kind of amazing. I hit literally everything. I've never failed. Honestly, yeah. I, like, I, I haven't even known her that long, but I'm just like, whoa. I'm practically magic. The only time I failed was that time I let my village die. Anyways. <laughs> Wait, what? Nothing. Hey. <sighs> yes, if something bad happens to her, Dobby, I'm coming back for you. Well, maybe just leave one of the beers with you so you can blow up the bridge as you cross and they can't follow you. Just in case. All right. Just in case. Hopefully we don't have to use it, but just in case. Yeah, fine. Hank unloads one of the dragon-intended beers, places it by the edge of the bridge so they can be used to blow it up in if the need arises, and then slowly begins moving the truck across the bridge as best he can. So the bridge is about 90 feet long, and you have to move very slowly across it. They're coming up the pass behind you. You have the truck wagon moving very slowly across the bridge and the blocker car in the way. And Fook is riding his dog somewhere between the two. You see the dust cloud come closer and closer. You can hear now the wheels of the chariot and the hooves of the pegasi. Young, the the boy is holding the reins and, and Sheriff Bosco has his crossbow pointed directly at Debbie. Snakey um, stands behind the back of the Trans M and knocks an arrow. Aims at the moon man. <laughs> Says Sneaky as the arrow flies through the air towards the moon man, right towards the center of his giant moon body, and it pierces him. Because Sneaky has never once washed her hands, the tip of this arrow is filthy with microbial bacteria and... He gets a little bit sick from its attack. It pierces his skin, gets through almost the first five rolls of fat, and then just lays itself in there. He is not a healthy-looking man. Told you, the body's self-cleaning. Cackling, uh, Snakey knocks another arrow and releases, and it flies through the air and gets him right in the neck. Just blood spurts out. Like, there is, you can, it's going in tune with what his heartbeat must be. It's not a good heartbeat. He really needs to uh, change his lifestyle uh, if he's going to have one after he bleeds out as much as he is. Yes! Your blood makes me stronger. And uh, Debbie is just looking at Snakey with this, like, sense of both, like, awe, but underlined with fear, but also mostly just awe. Just like, oh, Yes, yes, yes. Hank comes over the stone in his truck. So I guess we decided we're going to kill him for sure then, right? I guess. Because he's bleeding a lot in my rear view. All right, let's just kill him then. Hank continues to move the truck forward at as fast a pace as he can and decides to cast a fog cloud behind him to obscure his advance against any attacking pegasi. Debbie has a hand crossbow she'd like to use. Gets that crossbow out and puts a bolt in and aims, tries to aim like right between the eyes of uh, of Bosco. 
who is just in all sorts of pain right now. He is stunned. There's now blood flowing down into his eyes. He can't really see. He has to wipe it. Oh, he has to use his handkerchief to wipe his own blood away from his face. I told you. I warned you. I told you not to do this. I was trying to look out for you. You cross the line, devil woman. I can't understand. There's too much blood in your mouth. <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. Oh, you're so dead. And the boy says nothing as they chug along. Debbie kind of feels kind of feels bad about clearly traumatizing this like sweet boy who loves her but it's also like well you know that's life susan who's been hiding behind the car slithers towards the edge of the forest to get closer to the veal boy smacks her giant snake mouth she slithers up to him and intends to wrap around his legs Susan is able to slither around uh, the junior boy, and he is now quite unable to adequately control the uh, the chariot. It is still going straight because these are these are pegasi. They but he is not really going to be able to turn or do much right now. No, he is entangled in a giant snake, and he's also fri- he's he's freaked out. Fook is in the middle of the bridge. He was looking for a weak spot in the bridge, but then a magical mist uh, formed around him and it became very hard to see. So instead, he's just going to raise his axe and aim at something he felt was fragile in an attempt to start to collapse the bridge. The ropes that are holding up the bridge. It is a very, very thick rope, uh, so you just start to fray it a bit. So Fook raises his axe, hits the ropes of the bridge, uh, and feels it start to give under it, but realizes he's going to have to hit this more than once to take down the bridge. But he also yells out to uh, the people that they've left behind, this bridge is coming down at some point, so keep that in mind. Back in the chariot, the sheriff's son is going to try to wriggle out of uh, the grasp of Susan. Susan is now on the floor of the chariot, but he's managed to wriggle his way free. The father, the sheriff pulls out his Big, heavy crossbow. This thing looks like it's meant to do some real damage. This is meant to take down large animals. He holds it, but as the as his son is wriggling around, writhing out of the clutches of uh, Susan, there's a jerk in the chariot, and the arrow goes sailing past, troubling no one. And he just continues to bleed. You're waning, Moon. <laughs> oh. And the chariot is coming very close. They were about to be upon them. Snakey swiftly moves to the side uh, to get a better angle on the two harnesses holding the pegasi to the carriage. She knocks an arrow and aims at the first harness. It flies right off, and that first pegasus flies away. Damn it. I should have... Damn <laughs> I mean, I would like a, I like my own pigs. Just okay. No, it's not like a phoenix. You can't just cage them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Pegasus, I'm gonna aim at your harness. If you feel like sticking around, that would be cool. She knocks an arrow and aims at the second Pegasus harness. So the arrow hits the leather harness and sort of half cuts it because only didn't quite hit it just right. It is flimsily on there, but that Pegasus is still harnessed to the chariot. Hank is just white-knuckling it, being as careful as possible, keeping the truck on the middle of that bridge as it pushes forward. Hank is now two-thirds of the way across the bridge. Snakey, do you really think we can hold them off before they reach that bridge? I don't know. Debbie looks to her beloved, beloved Firebird Trans Am. I think I gotta do what I gotta do. Snakey nods, understandingly. Debbie looks at the chariot that's coming closer, ever so closer toward them. Uh, she looks at the Trans Am. She goes into the car and takes out a very, very special key that really only Debbie can use. At least that's what she was told by the dealer. But maybe <laughs> he's like, maybe, but she chose to believe, you know? She comes around the front of the car, quietly, but quickly, says, um, like I... I guess I'm sorry for like the torture and stuff, um, but it's 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 time for you to be free, and hopefully so will I, as well. 
Ugh, fuck. Okay, be free. And Debbie puts the key into the trunk to pop it open to release the phoenix. This was the... This phoenix has been killed and born again. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> the odometer is really into the... This, it's almost into seven digits now. Um, <laughs> there's a fiery explosion. Snakey is able to dive out of the way, but this phoenix was quite angry with Debbie, and she takes the full brunt of the blast. Debbie! Oh, my God! Oh, I deserve this! Oh, I, I deserve this! I see that now! Oh, oh, sweet! Oh, God, no! Oh, sweet! Oh, it burns! I'm fine! I'll walk it off! I'll be fine! I'll be fine! Oh, I'm not fine! I'll be fine! Hank comes on the stone. You guys all right back there? I'm fine! Uh, uh, and Debbie crawls to the stone, because she's just like, like, I'm just like, oh, I just want them to think I'm still tough. I'm just like, gosh! It's good. It's good. Things are good. Fuck. But the Pegasus is now... You can see that its eyes are locked onto the eyes of the of the phoenix. And they seem to be wordlessly communicating with each other. Susan eyes the meaty boy's fat angles. And opens her wide, juicy jaws. He yelps. This is the first noise that any of you have heard really from him. Uh, it's a bit high-pitched uh, as the as her fangs go deep into his, his calves. Fook is still in the magical mist that Hank left behind, so he doesn't know that the car is out of commission. So he still thinks that if he takes down the bridge, he will see that car go flying over the growing gulf uh, and reach the other side with Snakey and whatever that other woman's name is safe. <laughs> so he raises up his axe again. He casts thunderous smite so that it does a little extra damage. And he takes aim at the bridge one more time. One half of the rope support holding up this bridge snaps. One of the ropes holding up this bridge, one of the sides of it snaps. The close part of this uh, boarded bridge starts rolling up on itself. It's sending a shockwave through the part of the bridge that is still up. It is going to tilt severely towards the right. Hank is going to have to do his best to get across before the bridge becomes uncrossable. Drive for it, ladies! And then jumps on the dog's back and begins to pursue Hank. Steve's nails scrabble against the stone as the stone begins to fall away. Uh, And he's jumping from uh, bit of brick to bit of brick that are no longer supported in a Legolas style, moving along the bridge uh, after after Hank. The shockwave catches up to the tractor trailer that Hank is driving, and he has to jack the wheel one way and the other way to keep it stabilized, and he finally hops into the air, but lands on solid ground, having reached the other end of the bridge. In the chariot, it pulls up inches away from the face of Debbie. It was going full bore and then suddenly stops. The sheriff and his son are standing, and the sheriff pulls up his... Big, heavy crossbow, loads a bolt, points it directly at the face of Debbie. I declare you under arrest in the name of the law and sentence you to death in the name of justice. He squeezes the trigger, but before anything can happen, his son reaches up and grabs the crossbow. The bolt sails into the air. And the son punches his dad square in the face. I told you, Dad. I'm not like you, and I don't want to be like you. This has gone too far. We are way outside of our jurisdiction. This, the paperwork on this will be immense. <laughs> Debbie, I'm sorry. I never, never treated you the way you deserve to be treated. This is certainly not the way you deserve to be treated. Um, uh, as uh, Debbie is speaking through, like, rapidly, like pussing like uh like wounds like gaping wounds on her face and like burn marks and she's uh she just says like oh jeez look i was just a black top girl running through the dirt road life of a boy like you i never deserved you we're just two different people and i just uh or debbie coughs up a bit of pus just two different people living two different lives i i understand all that now and Believe you me, I just want to go home and start a life of settledness 
and just I want to be as boring as I can possibly be. You are not a boring woman. <laughs> that attracted me once, but now I'm kind of repulsed by this whole life. Father? Is it my face now? Is that what's doing it? Look, that's not... I've got a first aid kit. We can help you out with that, but that's it's sweet. it's more it's more what's behind the face that you burn so brightly. Wait, that's that's inappropriate. No, you, it's uh, okay. You fly too close to the sun. Debbie just like lights a cigarette off of one of her still smoking burns <laughs> and just pops it in her mouth. We can never be together, and that's fine. But I can never be with my father. I I am out of here. Okay, look. You, you go about your business. Father, you leave this poor woman alone. For I'm going to leave you alone forever. And the Bosco bleeding and very sick. Boy, if you walk away from me now, I tell you this. I'll never stop coming after you and ever you're coming with me. There is nothing. And he's now out of the chariot and he's walking. There is nothing that is going to stop Sheriff Bosco T. Man from getting what the justice he has is due. And he stomps his feet and he pounds his fist on the nearest available thing, which is the barrel of dragon ale. And he is now a red mist as this barrel explodes beside him. All that you see are his boots still in the still in the spot where he laid standing and his giant 10-gallon hat floats down on top of them. Cool. Well, used to be as big as the moon. Now I guess he's just one of the stars. And a red mist falls upon you all. Oh, that tastes bad. Uh, Snakey unhooks the remaining Pegasus um, and wrapping Susan around her like an infinity scarf, mounts the Pegasus. And she holds her hand out to Debbie. Come on! This is your adventure. It ain't mine. What? What, what, what else are you going to do? What, why don't you just come with? It's just like Veal Boy said. My fiancé, whose name I actually never learned. <laughs> that was that was a doomed relationship. Yeah, you know what? Looking back, a lot of red flags right there. I got to find my own way in my own life. And, you know, I think maybe there's some, like, aloe vera in the forest that maybe I could get for these horrible, horrible burns. Oh, I have a healing potion. Uh, duh. <laughs> oh, that actually, that'd be much better than that? just plants I find. Do you mind? Like, real quick, just real real super fast. Like, um, the pussing stops, which is nice. Um, and, uh, like, the third degree burns slowly become second degree. And then just, like, you know, nice. The skin is, is back to what it is. And uh, maybe she even gets a tooth back. Nah, she doesn't. Um, Debbie... Um, grips uh, uh, Snakey's hand the way that, like, Vikings shake hands. Hey, stay dirty, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> I know. I know you will be. Hey, if you ever need a, you know, killing done. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. real swell. You want to go killing at some point? <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. Me too. God, well, you know where to find me and... Uh, Debbie goes into um, the glove compartment of the Trans Am, takes that bottle of fire whiskey and says, well, I guess I got a long walk back with me. <laughs> you take care of yourself now. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Uh, and Debbie waves as she watches the Pegasus take off with uh, Snakey and Susan. And Debbie goes into the forest and thinks, fuck, really regret releasing that phoenix right now. And then just disappears into the foliage. Kevin is left alone, standing at the edge of the chasm. His father has exploded. <laughs> I forgot Kevin was there. <laughs> His father's exploded. His fiance walked away without him. And he just sort of stands looking at the edge for a while. But then he takes off his hat, throws it into the deep, throws his badge in after it and walks away to start a life as a maker of pottery. This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons-powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Starring Scott Thrower as Boop the Paladin, Lee Cameron as Snakey the Ranger, 
Maddox Campbell as Hank the Wizard, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master, with special guest Kat Letwin as Debbie the Outlaw. This has been a Kicks and Giggles production, created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell, with editing by Maddox Campbell, theme by Derek Baldwin, and engineered by Andrea Miller. Find out more at cavernsandcomedians.com, and don't forget to like, rate, and share. Thanks for listening. Can't do a Marge Simpson voice, but I'm gonna try. Oh no! <laughs> Why? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs>